Our sermon today is going to be taken from Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. I don't know why I left that there. That's found on page 1099 in your Black Pew Bible, and I think it's 1251 in the Adventure Bible. Luke 8, verses 4 through 15. And I read in Jesus' name. And when a great crowd was gathering, and the people, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Oops. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew, As it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell onto good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when the disciples asked him what the parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others They are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The one along the path, the ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, Receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as far and as for those that fell, sorry, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil. They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this text. We thank you for this parable. Lord, that we might understand how your word works and what it does and what it does in us and what it does in our world. Now as we come and seek to understand, Lord, bless us that we might live your truth out. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as this parable gets lots of names, it's entitled the parable of the soil, it's entitled the parable of the seed. Um, I've heard people say that, the parable of the sower. Well, so as, as we look, we, this is not the beginning of Jesus' parables so much, but this is a fundamental, this is a foundational parable because it teaches us how, how we as Christians, how we who have the word of God are to be interacting with our world. You know, what, what does it mean to be Christians? This parable actually is teaching us this. Well, how do we become Christians? This parable is teaching us this. What do we do with our Christianity? This parable is teaching us this. So as we start out, we see the sower out sowing and, 
And that sower is, well, it's the Son of God. Because Jesus, what did he do as he was here? He sowed. That was what his life was all about. Because the Word became flesh. And so as Jesus went into this world, as he lived his life, as he proclaimed, as he spoke, as he, as he healed, as he blessed, as he touched, what was he doing? He was sowing the Word of God. He was sowing the truth of who God is, what God does, what God has done in this world, and what God desires to do in this world. You know, because that's the same thing that Jesus was showing then. It's the same thing that God wants to do now, which is what's so important. Because God wants to change people. He wants to bring people out of darkness and into light. And not only does he want to bring people as a whole out of darkness into light, he wants to bring every aspect of our lives out of darkness and into light. He wants his truth to touch every aspect of us. And so then we, as his disciples, also become sowers. Because as we integrate these truths into our lives, as we bring in the truth of the word of God into our lives, as we open up doors in our hearts and in our minds and, and submit to the word of God and live our lives according to the word of God, according to the will of God, we become sowers. We become sowers through what we speak. You know, sometimes we think about, well, Pastor Joe's a sower because he's up preaching. Wait, how often do we get opportunities to preach as opposed to getting opportunities just to talk to people? just to share the word of God, just to live it out, just to love someone, you know, to listen to someone. I, I know how often Doug tells me that I need to learn to listen better. And no, he hasn't actually said that yet, although he probably will now. <laughs> ah. <laughs> what? No. Um, we are called to sow. We're called to sow through every aspect of our lives because the, unless the word of God actually changes me, if I'm out preaching the word of God, but I'm not living the word of God, what am I called? Hypocrite. How many of you like hypocrites? They're great. They're fun to be around, aren't they? Yeah, it's wonderful. The world doesn't need more hypocrites. The world needs more Christians. That's so with every aspect of our lives. That we need to sow with the way that we deal with our money. We need to sow with the way we deal with our children. We need to sow with everything that we are. As we, as we drive down the road, I have a friend who refused to put Nithicus on that that's the fish, on his car because he said, nobody is a Christian behind the wheel. <laughs> like, well, I understand that. But at the same time, I have another friend named Phil who said, I have, I have not disobeyed the law many times because I had that fish on my car. And so it's like, well, it depends on how you want to look at that. But our lives... Our lives are our greatest avenue for sowing. It isn't about having a platform or a podium. It's about our lives. Because in Jesus' very walk, he sowed. And so that's what we're to be. You know, we talk about evangelism as, you know, going out and talking to people. It's like, well, that's true. But that's just a small aspect. Because it's me listening. It's me loving someone. It's me caring about them. Actually caring about them. It gives me the greatest platform. You know, the fact that that person actually has weight in my heart. That that's what gives the greatest platform to speak. And so we are called to be sowers, just like the Son of God sowed. But not just by speaking. Not just by going out and, you know, doing the share Jesus without fear or, you know, four spiritual laws or 
Those things are great and they're very impactful for a lot of people. But that's not an end. It's just a means. And it's not even the greatest one. So the seed goes forth. What is the seed? The seed is the word of God. And that, that's so important because as we're sowing, what are we sowing? What has changed our lives? What am I living my life according to? Am I living? And this is really important because we need to examine our hearts and we need to examine our lives according to the word of God. You know, as we were talking about Ecclesiastes, I'm going to pull that up real quick. Pull it up. I'm going to turn to it. Good grief. It's <laughs> wrong with people? People, me, digital pastor. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up in my Bible. Um, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. What advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes? How often do we hear that talked about? You know, there's vanity for us just to be seeking wealth for the sake of wealth. Be seeking good for the sake of good. Having more goods. That if we get more goods, we're just going to spend more money. How often do we hear that proclaimed? You know, that, that's not common in our culture, is it? Who's the one who wins? The one who dies with the most toys. You know, who is, the, who is the best man according to our culture? The one that works the hardest? Are these things godly? I've seen a grievous sin under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. Oh, you know, that's possible. That's not American culture. What are we living our lives according to? What seed are we sowing? Are we sowing that which lines up with Scripture? Are we living that which lines up with Scripture? Or are we living that which lines up with our culture, with our world? I was talking to someone the other day and there were, it was a lady talking about her job. You know, how is she going to do her job? And she was asking this question, how am I going to do my job and raise my children? Well, what, that's a legitimate question. What is our greatest priority? And that was the only answer that I could give her. Remember what your greatest priority is. It's your children. Because what good does it do for me to make lots of money and have lots of fame and then have my children fall away from the Lord? That is vanity. They are my most important ministry. Not all you guys. Believe it or not, I'm sorry. You take second fiddle to them. The word of God is the seed. It's what's to affect our lives so that our lives can affect the lives of those around us. The greatest thing about the word of God is that it is viable. It lives. It builds the fruit that the world looks to. The fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law, Paul tells us in Galatians. So think about it. How many of you want the fruit of the Spirit in greater ways in your life? Who doesn't want more goodness in their life? Who doesn't want more faithfulness in their hearts? Who doesn't want more gentleness? Who doesn't want more self-control? Yeah, I love being out of control. It's just wonderful. Nobody says that. You know, we want more love. We want more joy. We want more peace. We want those things. What builds those things? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that as it enters into our life and changes us, it is always viable unless we kill it. It is always viable unless we quench the Spirit. It is always viable. It always does its work in our hearts. 
It always produces good fruit. Praise God. You know, the stuff that our world teaches, the stuff that you learn from sitcoms, the stuff that you learn from the televised media or YouTube or Facebook, those things don't produce good fruit. Instagram said that one of the Facebook internal memos that was leaked that uh, one in three girls has body image problems due to Instagram. How about that? So what fruit is being born through the use of some of these social media platforms? Is it good fruit? Well, it's bad fruit. It's evil. It's sinful. But when the word of God is applied to our lives, it always changes us. And so that's why we're called to live, to have it in us, to allow it to change us, to live our lives according to it, because as it changes us, we can then bring it into a world that needs to be changed. We can bring it out. It can change my heart. And if it can change a German-Norwegian heart, by the grace of God, it can change the world. It's viable. It works. This isn't just God's suggestion. Well, you can try that or you can try psychedelics. Those might work too. No, God says, my word changes you. My word changes the world. Live it out. Live it out because these are the soils. That's the seed. It does its work. It always does its work. But then it hits the soils. Now, this is, this is interesting. I've never thought about this as, I, as I've read this. How often, farmers, how often do you sow your fields? Once in a lifetime? No. Every year, right? And so if, if you have a bad year, does that mean that you just sell the land? Give it away. Let the government have it because they do well with everything they get. Um, probably kicked off of YouTube for saying such things. <laughs> no. If the seed, if it drowns out one year, if the weeds come one year, if, you know, the interesting thing is that these soils, that's, this is the way they are right now. But soils can change. By the grace of God, human lives can change. And so where I think about, I was talking to... Uh, Mike Brandt, he actually came this week. He was just driving through and he decided to stop by. He, he was one of the pastors that uh, was over me during my internship. I actually had three pastors over me during my internship. Mike Brandt was one of them. And as I was talking to him, I was, it struck me how differently I'm interacting with him now than when I was on my internship. And it's like, wow, I actually have changed a little bit. That's strange. It's only been like 12 years. I didn't, but you know, I'm Norwegian. We don't change. And lives change. People change. And so if I'm sowing the seed today and it falls on rocky ground, does that mean that tomorrow when I interact with this person that it's going to be rocky still? Oh, well, thorns came up in their life in the past. That means I should just, you know, scrub them off. I'm not going to go and sow again. I'm not going to... I'm not going to talk to this person this time. You know, they misused me 30 years ago. I'm, I'm not going to interact with them now. I'm not going to love them now. I'm not going to show them kindness and grace and forgiveness now. Well, no, no, we change. By the grace of God, people can change. If I can change, others can change. You know, if people weren't patient with me, I'd never be here. But they sowed and sowed and sowed into my life. Sometimes Satan came and took that word of God away. Sometimes thorns came up. Sometimes rocky ground was there and I 
I remember a number of very specific times I had opportunities, but out of fear of the people around me, I didn't use them and I didn't share. You know, God was patient. Failures happen. But just because a failure happened in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen now and it doesn't mean it's going to happen in the future. You know, because these, we see these as failures. You know, if you're out sharing the gospel and someone doesn't give their life to the Lord, what's going on? Well, you failed. That's what Satan brings to us, right? At least that's what he brings to me. Well, you failed. Had you said that better? Had you, had you not used that word? Or had you not said it like that? Then they probably would have given their life to the Lord. They're like, no. Jesus says here that soil, that's on them. That's on them. Trust God. Trust God even with those failures. And when you get another opportunity, take it because you don't know. Maybe there's no thorns there now. Maybe there's no rocks there now. Maybe somewhere along the line that person has been humbled and they've learned to deal with their fear and so those rocks are gone. And so then when the sun beats down and when they're in turmoil, they're going to hold fast to the word of God instead of holding fast to whatever. These have no root. They believe for a while and a time of testing fall away. We don't know where someone's at. We don't know. And so why would we ever say, no, not today. I'm not going to love you today. I'm not going to forgive you today. I'm not going to bless you today. Because we don't know where they're at. Just because they were there yesterday doesn't mean they're there today. How many of you have ever had your emotions change from day to day? It happens. It, it happens, right? Even to me as a guy, I, I actually do have emotions, I think. But they can change from day to day, let alone from year to year. And so if the word of God doesn't take effect yesterday, what about today? What about tomorrow? What about a year from now? You never know when you have an opportunity. So take it. Well, I'm supposed to say good soil, not food soil. <laughs> but as, as for that, in the good soil, it can be changed by the time it gets to uh, online. As for that, in good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast. Okay, so what does it mean to be good soil? How many of you want to be good soil? What does that mean? That means when the word of God is proclaimed to us, we grab hold of it. Hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Because you know the easiest, we, we were watching um, Superbook this last week when, you know, Kirsten and I just didn't have as much energy as we'd like to. And so the kids have watched way more TV than we usually appreciate. Um, but we were watching Superbook and they were, they were talking about Adam and Eve. And as I was watching this story about Adam and Eve, I thought, you know, this is really good because it emphasized than making excuses. Adam and Eve didn't hold the word of God in their heart with an honest heart. They made excuses. And we do that too. Well, I know this would apply to Brian, but it doesn't really apply to me. Well, no, that's, that's, not, that's not true. What right do I have to make an excuse for not obeying the word of God? When do I have the right to say, God, you usually know best, but I got this situation underhand? No. I... I can never make an excuse. Well, I know that you said I need to love them, but I don't feel like it. No, that's not an honest heart. Lord, I know you said that I need to forgive this person. Lord, you said that I need to listen to this person. Lord, you said that love is patient and kind, but I really don't feel like being kind right now. I, I'd, it would just be easier for me to, to, to just be blunt because you know what? Oftentimes for me, it's easier to just be blunt and kind of be mean. Um, but I can't make that excuse. 
I can't say that. I can't do that. I can't make an excuse for my sin because that's not an honest heart. I need to own it. I need to own it. I need to love. I need to care. I need to show faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. I need to exhibit these things. When I was sick, I needed to be thankful and grateful to God. While my circumstances were bad, so what? I can still be thankful to God. I can praise God. Even though I don't know why, I can praise God. I can trust God. I can look to God. Honest and good hearts. Because I trust God. I'm not going to make excuses and I'm not going to use this for evil. I'm going to use this for the kingdom of God. And then what will happen? And bear fruit with patience. Does this mean you're going to be changed just like that? No. Change comes slowly, even to Christians. But we hold fast to it. We listen to it. We use it for what God has given it to us for. And God says, you will bear fruit. Be patient. Don't run ahead of God. Be patient. Allow it to change you so that you can show the world what can change even a human heart. Because we need this. We need this as much as anybody else does. As much as everybody else does. It starts in us. So that we can then become sowers like the Son of God sowed in everything that he did and said he proclaimed the kingdom of God. Any questions? So as you're going about this, as you're going about this week, think about this. Ask yourself this question. What more of the word of God can I hold fast and honest and good heart? What is God trying to teach me? What, what can I apply? How can I live this out? Because that's, that's what we want to be. There are thorns and thistles in your life. Repent. Hold fast to the word of God with an honest and good heart. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. We thank you that it changes hearts. We thank you that it bears fruit even in our lives, even in our hearts. Lord, we thank you. And I pray that we would have the humility to hold fast to your word. Lord, to hold fast to your word and to apply it, to live it out. Lord, that this world might see your word in our lives and hear your word in our speech. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for giving us viable seed. In Jesus' name, amen.